Welcome to Conservative Conversation, Canada's number one youth political podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Conservative Conversation. I'm your host, Isaac Butler, alongside my boy, Sean Campbell. Sean, how are you doing? It's uh, doing pretty good. I'm very excited to be back. It's been a couple days, so glad to be back into it. Yeah, me too. Uh, We're shortening down the episodes now, trying to keep it around the 30 minutes, and this will help us post two episodes a day so you can listen to them in the morning and at the end of the day while you're falling asleep, just to kind of surround yourself for the entire day in politics, just so you kind of stay aware of what's going on. Today we talk about the Montreal Canadiens and how they're pushing forward into the semifinals as the only Canadian team left standing. They'll be facing off against the Vegas Golden Knights later. G7 leaders don't care about COVID when the cameras are off. Trudeau is going to donate $13 million in vaccines to developing countries, but then pushes it $87 million more. More native bodies were found in Manitoba residential schools. More to come after this. Honey is a free browser add-on available on Google, Oprah, Firefox, and Safari. If it's a browser, it is Honey. All you have to do is when, you click, is when you're checking out one of these major sites, just click that little orange button and it will scan the entire internet and find discount codes for you. I've used Honey on countless websites and it saved me hundreds of dollars. One click can save you more than 20% on your purchase. Try Honey now. G7 Summit happened on June 11th in Cornwall and 1 billion vaccines were promised in the entire meeting. President Joe Biden said the summit had been extraordinarily collaborative, but that's a man who doesn't even know if he's wearing pants or not. 100 million vaccines are going to be donated from Canada. Trudeau originally promised that 13 million of those deemed surplus vaccines were going to be produced, but evidently decided to spend for 87 million more, which means we are now donating 100 million to foreign aid. More than 7 million of those vaccines um, are still in trial from Novavax, which we're not even using in Canada because they have not been deemed fit for Canadians, yet we're going to donate over 7 million of them to foreign countries. Um, On top of the 100 million that Trudeau has already spent, 2.5 billion has already been spent on foreign aid for COVID. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts on this? Well, you know me, I'm an advocate for protecting your country first. And I think this is outrageous. Like we mentioned in our previous podcasts, our national debt is through the roof. So why are we focusing on others? I agree we got to focus on others. I'm not saying we shouldn't have foreign aid. But why in the world, if our government is in this much debt, are we just handing out money to other countries? I think this is brutal. And the government needs to get a grip and realize they're the Canadian government. They are not the American government. They are not the government of Haiti. They are not the government of South Africa. They are the Canadian government, and they need to do what is best for the Canadian people. And right now, we need to be focusing on getting ourselves out of debt and not helping other countries. That's that's the way I see it right now. A lot of people might disagree. They might say, well, they're developing countries. They deserve health as well. You know, I'm not saying that they shouldn't get vaccines, but what I'm saying is it should not be this excessive. It should not be billions of dollars given to other countries when we have Canadians struggling on the streets with drug addictions. So that, that's where I'm at for that whole situation. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm in 100% agreement. I definitely believe that a government needs to protect its people first and then focus on foreign aid after all of its problems solved. We talked about it earlier where Trudeau has accumulated more debt than all of the past prime ministers together combined. And I definitely don't think this $2.5 billion um, before this large $100 million purchase really kind of helps his situation. Um, and yeah, I just, it's, it's not acceptable. And we're focused as a Canadian government, they're focused too much on what everybody else is doing and not on what we're doing and how we can fix it. And that's not Ex a, exactly, a it. exactly. We need to be focusing on Canada because we have our own problems. I know a lot of people are say Canada's the nice guy and we help everyone out. We can still do that while focusing on ourselves. Why is it we have people struggling on the streets? Why is it our unemployment rate is through the roof? Why is it that pe people can't even afford medicine that they need, essential medicine, yet we're giving all this money away to other countries? Start protecting those who elected you. Start protecting those who are paying the taxes. Start doing your job, which is should be to protect Canadians first, Canadians above everyone else. And every other government does that, except for, it seems like, the Canadian government. Every other government, you look at the U.S. government, even with all their their stimulus packages with um, with the foreign aid attached to it and all that stuff, they're, they're still focusing more on the U.S. than Canada is focusing on Canada. There's no other country that is in this much debt and is giving this much away. I think it's it's brutal. That that's that's where I stand on this whole situation. Yeah, and there are there are countries with higher debt. We get that, but guess what they're doing? Not giving away. A um, hundred million dollars worth of vaccines, right? That's that's crazy. And so, uh, at the G7 summit, I'll give a little bit of background information. So, it's the wealthiest countries in the world. They all come together once a year for this summit, um, as the title kind of tells you. Um, they come together and they discuss a bunch of worldwide issues. And this year, they really focused on the pandemic and um, the economy for all for all of the countries how to boost and help their economies and china and i find like a big problem with canada is we like to point the finger a lot we don't like to take blame we like to find a lot of scapegoats and china is a nice one that we find where canada wants to take action against china for its human rights violations but canada doesn't want action taken against for our human rights violations which is the treating of the first nations people in the residential schools and people might say, oh, well, China's actively, you know, committing large human rights violations. Yes, but so is like Canada used to. So if you put it in different terms, it would be and I'm no I'm in no way defending the Chinese government whatsoever. I, I don't like them at all. They're a communist dictatorship and communist society and they just suck <laughs> as a as a kind of whole. And um and so anyways, it's like it's like this. One guy has gone and killed two people, but then goes and tells the guy who's killing ten people that, hey, you can't be killing people and I'm now going to arrest you. Or I'm going to report you to the police and you're going to pay for what you've done. But then everyone says, well, what about you? You killed two people. No, 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 no. But this guy's killed five or ten or whatever. 
and I'm now going to punish him. That's not how it works. Canada, you need to wake up, accept your failures, take responsibility instead of pointing the finger and finding the Chinese scapegoats. I mean, it's super easy. China sucks. They cause so many problems. But, you know, we can't, we can't be doing this all the time. And it happens all the time. And we blame America for a lot of our um, economic issues. And I mean, it's half of it is true, but half of it is, again, our fault. Um, the leaders of the world's richest countries also agreed to endorse a global maximum tax of at least 15% on multinational corporations. So this can help with, um, with smaller countries and their economic growth because I don't know why they need that, though, because we're just donating all our money to them. Um, but let's, uh, let's move on. We've talked a lot about the G7 right now. And I think a little bit more of an important topic is the bodies found in Manitoba. Um, this kind of correlates with the human rights violation of pointing the finger at China. Um, 215 children were found in Kamloops the other week. And 104 were recently found at Brandon Residential School in Brandon, southern Manitoba. Um, they've only identified 78 so far. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't identify more or they couldn't kind of figure out more. But people have to realize that there is a lot more. You, you can't really be shocked about 215 or 104. There was over 150 schools. And um, a study done by the TRC estimates that anywhere between 4,000 and 6,000 children died in residential schools and were buried there and they died from abuse and neglect and malnutrition and so i don't understand why it's a huge deal to dig up and disturb the burial sites um for what for a news photo op for a chance to get angry at someone if you want a chance to get angry at someone there's tons of things to get angry about that the canadian government is currently doing and not what they allowed to happen way back when right um sean kind of what what's your thoughts on this well yeah the de last time i checked today the death count was over 500 so 500 bodies that they've found just total throughout canada i know they plan on checking every every residential school possible that that um they have you know my concern is how much more are they going to find right and how are how are the Canadian people going to act? Because to a lot of people, this was a surprise. To anyone with an Indigenous background, it was no surprise. To anyone that really knows a lot about history, this was no surprise. But the majority of Canadians, they they don't have an Indigenous background. They don't have Indigenous family. And they don't care that much about history. So I think there's going to be outrage. And I mean, right, rightfully so, if you hear about all these children, they're children. Right, this is this is mass genocide when you think about it. Yes, there were some that died of natural causes, but they weren't treated the right way to begin with. So, the the schools didn't help them. I I guarantee the schools didn't try their best to help them survive those who did die of natural causes. But there's many who were just murdered, and there's no doubt in my mind about that. Personally, my family's from Nova Scotia. My mom, on her side, there's native background. So I'm waiting to hear about the school, the school in Nova Scotia, the home that had every single Indigenous children from the whole maritime region of Canada. 
went to that school. So I'm waiting to, to figure out the death toll from there because it's more than likely I have family members that are buried under there, which is, it's crazy to think, you know, um, that it could, it could have been your great, great cousin, someone that, you know, could have been, uh, who knows what these children could have became. They could have been the next prime minister. They could have cured cancer for all we know. Right. And these children weren't even given a chance. I think no matter what race you are, no matter what you believe in, as a ch- as a child, every child deserves a chance at life. I believe it's it's the adults. If if anything, I'd feel less bad for the adults because I, everyone's done something wrong in, in in their history. But this is children. These are kids that that have barely seen the world, right? We're sixteen, you know, and we barely seen the world. We we're, we're still new to this world. There's so much still we haven't done, and you got to think these are some of these kids were. Who knows how old they were so really my whole stance on this i mean i know it's it's less this is less of a political thing nowadays it's more of a, a human rights thing but i just think it's it's terrible no matter no matter who you are you should no one should be stripped of their children no child should be stripped of their family and treated the ways they were at the school and whatever the death toll is however many children they've seen uh they say were buried I guarantee you it's exponentially more um, the amount of children that have died in these residential schools because I have heard stories from family members, they're burned in furnaces. So you're not going to find those bodies, the, the bodies of the children that were burned in the furnace. As brutal as it sounds, it's, it's a sad truth. So whatever numbers they come up with at the end of the day, just know that it was exponentially more children that were killed and died in these schools. I just think it's, it's, it's terrible. And for really anyone, it's it's a huge wake-up call what actually happened in Canada. But we also got to learn to move forward with this, and we got to learn to learn from it, but not not necessarily dwell on it, right? And I know it's easier said than done, but I believe we, we got to learn to move forward. And this, when you think about it, it was not that long ago. Schools, these residential schools closed in the 90s. So you're thinking the majority of people alive right now were alive when the last school closed. I mean, when when you think about that, that's crazy. And at the time, a lot of people didn't really know about these schools. Maybe, I don't know how they were treated in the 90s. Maybe they were treated a bit better. Maybe they weren't. But regardless, the way these children were treated, it was just brutal to me. And will there be repercussions? I don't know. I really don't know what the government can do to make it better for these families, you know, families that have children that never returned. Are you going to give them money? Maybe you can't replace someone that you love. You can't replace your children. You can't replace your mother. You can't replace your father. There's no price you can put on human life because every, you know, every human's unique. That's, that's someone's son. That's someone's daughter. That's someone's brother. That's someone's sister. That, That those children meant something to someone and no, no sum of money is going to, bring those children back so what we can do honestly i to me i don't know and i'm not someone to say here's the problem but i don't have a solution but honestly i don't have a solution and isaac i I don't know if you have a solution but if you do i'd i'd love to hear it um because honestly to me it's other than money what, what else can you do for these people i just i don't i don't think there's very much you can do i i i agree with you where um, it is hard to erase the past. You can't do that. And you can't fix it by canceling events and and 
thinking that you're doing something by canceling the events and really like it's hard to explain but there's not much you can do with these sort of things you can you can focus on the issues at hand right now which is that in a lot of these um, reserves there's not clean water and there's not a lot of safety and protection and there's a lot of work to be done there and we have the money to fish it out well not really because we're donating it all to other people because we don't care about our citizens apparently um but i definitely think that take some of that money and instead of donating it to um economically failed countries like haiti and india and africa and so well africa is a continent but countries inside africa i think what we need to do is take a look at all the reserves take a look at what needs to be updated have have them make a list whoever's in whoever's kind of the hierarchy of it i don't i don't really know how they operate now um but whoever i guess the elders are or whoever operates it should make a list of what they need and each reserve takes it and they take it to the canadian government and the canadian government says okay this is what we can do and this is how much it will cost and then they start to work on it because how hard is it and I know people say, oh, well, you know, you have to dig far and you have to do all this work. But how hard is it to really take clean water from one of our Great Lakes, it's clean drinking water, and bring it to one of these reserves through tunnels and uh, water lines? Yeah, one thing, too, um, the thing with, um, I find with a lot of the, the reserves, some of them want to integrate with society and some of them want to be left alone for example where i'm from out east in nova scotia there's a reserve it's called member two member two indian reserve and these people are making the main the main um hockey rink for youth so i'm not talking like the q um qmjhl rink i'm talking like someone like you and i would play at the main rink in that on that island cape breton island is the member two arena and that's in the on the reserve they've got hotels they're making money off the white people. They're making money off everyone else that's not a part of the reserve. They they have tried to integrate in society, and it's worked for them. They're, I'd argue, potentially one of the wealthiest reserves per capita in Canada because you know they they've tried to integrate with people. But there's other reserves. They just they want nothing to do with it. And the thing with these communities, it's it's it tends to be an all or nothing. They're either the whole community does something or they don't do it. You look at um, even in the history of the wars, the reserves, if you look at the people that fought in the wars, it was pretty much every man from the reserve. And then there'd be some reserves with no one because it's they decide as a community what they want to do. And if they don't want to be integrated to society, that's their choice 100%. But I do believe that we should be trying our best to integrate them into society um, as long as they want it, right? Because sometimes people, they want to preserve their culture and whatnot. I understand that. Personally, do I agree with it? No, but that's their choice at the end of the day. If they want to be left alone, then we can leave them alone, but we should be giving them the clean water because it is their land, right? And I know a lot of people say, oh, well, if you look at a map of Canada before the Europeans came over, it was, you know, there's hundreds of tribes. It almost looked like Europe right? Little, little tribes from everywhere. And yeah. it, even the natives, they fought each other, right? It, it, a lot of people think, oh, you're, you're native, you're Aboriginal, um, whatever you, you want to be called. 
and you are all one race, right? They see it as all, oh, you're, you're all, that's like saying, oh, you're British. But yeah, people don't realize they're different tribes and, and stuff like that. So they had wars going on fighting for territory for, for the longest time, right? So for example, I'm from Nova Scotia, where my family's from, that's a different people than where I'm at right now in Ontario. So for example, I might be part native, but this is not my land at all, right? I'm on someone else's land. And it, it goes the same way for others, right? So that's, I mean, that's kind of my, my little history lesson. A lot of people think that they're all the same. Um, they're not, you know, and they were fighting each other just like the Europeans fought them when they came over. You know, they were battling for land just like the Europeans were battling for land. So I do think um, everyone kind of thinks different. Every tribe thinks differently and they have different ways of thinking, different ways of life. And I think we need to we need to respect that and realize that they're not all the same. That's like saying, you know, Europe's a huge country, right? That's like saying someone from the UK is the same as someone from France, which is the complete opposite. They don't even speak the same language. So I think we need to look at that as well. You know, what, what are their customs? Because what fits one tribe might not fit the other. And I think that's, that's my whole um, opinion on that whole scenario. Yeah, and um, my next kind of question is very opinion-based. Um, but really, what, what do you prefer to be called as someone who's First Nation? Do you prefer Aboriginal or First Nations or Indian? or um, And it is kind of personal preference, but I've always been curious as to what you prefer and why you prefer that. Well, I mean, to me, you look at me, I'm like the last bloodline of, like, that would legally be, you know, status or yeah. part of a band. Like, so I'm like, you look at me, I'm white, right? Like, I'm not, I would, I, I don't necessarily like identify as native, right? Because, I mean, obviously, um, like, I, if I wanted to, I could, if I was one of those people, you know, I'm just, I just use my family as an example because I get, you know, hear stories from my mother. My mom talks about it a lot. She seems to be proud about it, right? You got to be proud about your heritage and whatnot. But personally, like, I don't really care, to be honest. Like, you could call me a cracker for being white, and I wouldn't care. You could call me really anything, and I'm not going to care what you, what you call me. Um, but that's just me, right? Like, I'm not going to take offense to it because I'm not, like, I don't know what percentage, maybe a, f a fourth native, I guess I'd be, something like that. So, so, like, and, like, really, I honestly don't care what you call me in general. If, you, if it's offensive to white people, I couldn't care less. Really, it's to me. I I honestly don't care. I I do know. Um, so when you think about it, native is is kind of a a, a general term. Native means you were you're originated from here, right? Exactly. So you could be a European native, you can, right? So native isn't an offensive term. Anyone I've talked to says you know native is perfectly fine. Um, some white people say it's offensive. No clue why. Um, I do know they, they prefer to be called on, Aboriginal. They're offended on behalf of you guys. Exactly. And, um, for example, out east in Nova Scotia, where I'm from, they call themselves Indians, right? And obviously yeah. that's, um, people don't agree with that. Indians, would like, that's kind of an old name. If you look at any reserve, it's called Indian Reserve. It's not Aboriginal Reserve. That's just because, you know, I, I, when the white man came, came over, I believe, um, don't quote me on this, but... They thought they looked like Indians or whatever, so they called them Indians. Well, um, yeah, they, they thought they were in India, and so... Yeah, exactly. 
And so, so, they, so they, they call them Indians, right? And we obviously know that they're not Indians, but uh, if you go, depending on where you live, like they can be called different things. Sometimes they're called Indians, sometimes they're called Aboriginal, some native, like, you know, personally, me, like, I don't really, I don't really care, right? I'm not into the, the, the whole culture stuff. I just, I just live my life. I don't focus on my, you know, I, I like learning about my, my history and whatnot, just like anyone else. I love history. So I love learning about where my family originated from and whatnot. Um, but to me, it's like, like, I couldn't care less, right? Like, I'm white, who cares? I'm black, who cares? Like, I don't care what race I am. I don't care what gender I am. I just focus on, you know, things that I can't control. What can I can control? I can control my grades in school, my my hockey my football my weightlifting i can control all that so really you know say it say it how you want i'm not going to get offended um and i'm definitely not going to get offended on behalf of anyone else um that's just the way i've, I've kind of been raised you know you, you just you just go with the flow like if someone's as long as no one's trying to be offensive right yeah like if you you say oh he's part indian Okay, you know what? Like that's not correct. Yeah, term, yeah as long as they're not kind of. Why would I care, right? Yeah, as long as they're yeah, not dictating exactly. it derogatory towards you. Yeah, and I find and that you got to look at people's yeah. intentions, man. You got to look at their intentions. Like, are, are is this person, you know, just trying to talk to me, or are, are they trying to be an idiot, or are they trying to offend me? Right, it's the intention. And nowadays, people they try to attack each other over anything. You look at social media; there'll be people with amazing intentions, and they'll be attacked. You didn't say the correct term. You didn't say this. Yeah, look at their intentions. Don't look at exactly what they say because people are so focused on words. Look at actions. Look at intentions, right? Because way too many people are too focused on being politically correct and not offending anyone. This and that. Start looking at the intentions, and you will realize there's a lot more better people in the world than you think. Because if you start looking at what everyone says, people say the wrong things all the time, and. As long as you're looking at what they're saying and not their intentions, you're going to find everyone's a bad person by those standards. So to me, just look at their intentions. That's that's all that really matters. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with you where I had seen a kind of short clip of a documentary. I believe it was done by um, by NBC or some, some American news company like that. But they had gone to Compton. And one of the reporters jokingly asked, can I can I say the N word or can I can I call you the N word? And they said they said, well, how are you gonna say it? And and he said, oh, like, what's up, my? And they said, yeah, that's fine. You can go ahead and say that because they know the context is, uh, it isn't harmful and it isn't derogatory. And I think I think that's a pretty good way to put it. I mean, I personally probably wouldn't say it, um, but I I do think people need to look at the intention behind the words. Like when I when I talk about um, native people or First Nations people, whatever, I I jump back and forth between native First Nations Indian. It's depending on the situation I'm in. Where if I'm just casually shooting the shit about it and we're talking politics or something, or we're talking just kind of general about it, I I might throw in the term native or Indian, and I don't mean it in any sort of derogatory or offensive term i completely mean it as that's the fastest word that i can use for this quick sentence and it's the first word that came to mind because there's like five different terms you can use yeah and you're always no matter what you say someone's going to take offense especially nowadays yeah there's always something that's going to be said 
that offends someone. So you, you just got to realize, like, as long as you have good intentions, no one's truly going to care. Uh, if, if, you, if you're trying to be a, an idiot, right? Um, like, for example, you know, I can list off a bunch of derogatory terms for for Native people, for Black people, for white people, right? We could be here all day talking about them. Exactly. As long as the person knows... The, like as long as the person the, sometimes people don't even people know what they're saying is wrong right? right right for example um i was watching a show and um there was a young kid and, and they called a native a spear trucker which is is a, a derogatory term for natives but the, the, the kid didn't know any better obviously you know he's got probably some parents or something that are not not saying the right things at home yeah, in yeah. front of him but the kid didn't know, so, so that's like like kids, right? They're learning. Even adults, like they're learning. They they don't know what's what's right to say and what's wrong to say because it's constantly changing. What was right ten years ago is is not right today, and you see that a lot in the older generation. They just don't care, right? They don't care if you get offended. They'll say how they were growing up, saying like you talk to the, a lot of older people, they're gonna say Indian, right? And you shouldn't take offense to that, and as well. Like my mom was talking now, apparently calling a female honey can be offensive or like hon or, or deer, darling, stuff like that. So, for example, my grandfather says that all the time. My grandfather is one of the biggest gentlemen you'll ever meet. But my mom's just saying like, that's just the way when you were growing up, that was respectful. And now now women take offense to being called darling, um, you know, because and darling, yeah, honey, all that stuff. They, yeah. I think they really find it as they're trying to take it in a sexual manner of you say darling oh you're trying to flirt with me and you're trying to no we're trying to be polite we're trying to be gentlemen and i i definitely believe that the best way to live is like a 1960s anywhere from 1940s to 1960s gentleman not one of those dirtbags who's on cocaine or whatever and calling girls and uh like whistling at them but someone who says darling or honey or stuff like that i think that's a really good way to live because it's one it's classy and two it's it's respectful and it's kind of very traditional yeah but now nowadays those people are hated right and some of the most respectful people in in the the history and and nowadays they could go say that to the wrong person they'd be deemed a sexist whatever term you want to throw at them nowadays yeah Yeah, misogynistic that's just the way the world the world's going everything's offensive people don't look at intentions like i said it's it's at the end of the day everything we're talking about it all boils back down to intentions like for example if my grandfather i'm now he's my grandfather could be you know look up to him but he's one of the biggest gentlemen i think i've ever met and if he said that to the wrong person he would be deemed misogynistic and disrespectful and and whatnot and if you know him, you know he's not like that. But that, that's just a you know, an example of what I see in the real world of how a great person with good intentions could be deemed a, a terrible person that's, you know, a menace to society as people would say nowadays. So that, that's that's my little spiel about that. Yeah. And um I'm gonna kind of go back to uh talking about the First Nations children. Um, a lot of people have been attacking churches about it and kind of hating on the church in general, just the Christ, just Christianity in general. And I want to give some of you guys a little bit of background information. So next time you make these large accusations against places like my friend's churches and my church, I want you to know kind of the backstory of it. So I'm going to share a little bit of that to 
fill a few minutes in. Uh, so most of the residential schools were mainly owned, well, they're mainly owned by the Roman Catholic Oblates Order of Mary Immaculate and the Church Missionary Society of the Anglican Church, or better known as the Church of England, or the Roman Catholic Church uh, for the first one. Now, the Roman Catholic Church, they owned about 57 of 150 of them, and I know that the Church of Britain uh, owned a lot more. And so the Roman Catholic Oblates Order of Mary Immaculate, uh, they were a missionary. So what a missionary is, is um, a group of people from a church, they they travel abroad and they help what they believe is the poor and they spread their faith which is very very orthodox especially in the roman catholic church so i'm not i'm in no way defending the actions at all but what i'm trying to give you uh, is an explanation as to why they were doing this and so what they believed is that the first nations the natives the indians whatever you want to call them we just went through that um, they believed that they were poor and that they needed guidance and that they needed faith, the, the correct faith in their terms. And I, that's, that's how the residential schools really started is, oh, this isn't the right way. We're helping them. We're, they came in with good intentions and they left with a horrible footprint in Canada's society. Um, the Church Missionary Society of the Anglican Church, the Church of Britain, again, is also another missionary, uh, and they were sent from Oxford, uh, which is in England, um, and they were established in 1799, and so that, and they're very, again, orthodox, so think back to play, times in 1799 where their, their views are super uh, non-modern and non-woke and all these different things, so again, I'm not defending the actions, they were horrible, they weren't something you want to ever have repeated but what i'm trying to do is give you an explanation that christianity is the entire large faith of believing in god and jesus as the messiah but the roman catholic church and the church of england are smaller denominations of all of christianity so next time you come at um a, a church make sure you know the history of it if you're coming after the church of britain you can go ahead, write an angry letter. I don't believe they'll do anything about it. You're going after the Roman Catholic Church. I don't think they're going to do anything about it. I'm sorry, but that's because that's just the way they operate. And and it was a missionary. They believed that it was they were doing charity work. Um, but make sure you're not going after the wrong church. Um, because and I and I have had people say, oh, you know, you can't have a say because you're a Christian and you. You helped contribute or you're carrying on a legacy that contributed to the genocide of the first nations but not at all my, my church is completely on the other side of this and so i just i wanted to make that quick note of make sure you research what church is mainly had a say in this and make sure you know what those churches denominations are now so you're not attacking a random church that's done nothing but good um, for something that another church has done. But that's that's just kind of my little spiel to let you guys know. That's Isaac's little factoids of the day so that you can go forth and protest responsibly and with knowledge. And exactly. Know, know who you're battling, right? Exactly. Because I, I feel like it's a lost art at this point. Protesting is a lost art. 
where people don't even half the people don't even know what they're protesting or who they're protesting against or who the right people they're supposed to be protesting with and what they're supposed to be doing in terms of protesting where i had posted on my instagram story um genuinely asking a question about what can canadian citizens do to help the situation of the children who went missing or well who were buried and died um and i didn't get a single well i got one response and this response came near the end because no one could think of a response and it was the response was another instagram post saying be an ally well how does that solve the problems and and i was like okay well what does being an ally mean and it was buy locally from uh from first nations artists and stand with them and make sure you you can help voice their opinions and i said somebody who doesn't understand this will really take this as buy a bunch of products off reserves which is then taking it from the people who are living there and instead of letting someone who's first nation speak voice your own opinions and pretend like it's one of theirs and that you're helping exactly and and i see it all the time and so i really want people who know my instagram it's underscore isaac butler 64 i-s-a-a-c-b-u-t-l-e-r 64 i really want you to message me and tell me a real way that people can not really fix this that sounds kind of weird but yeah well actually no that i feel like that's the right term solve this how can how can the canadian people fix this and make it better because i'm yet to hear a solid example all i've heard is um be an ally and their being an ally is really taking the voices away and using it for your own claim to fame and so i think that's a huge problem sean your thoughts yeah and i've noticed on some instagram posts like people have gotten so radical with this stuff it's it's brutal there's someone saying if you live if you live in canada and you're not native you should give you should leave and and give the land back to the natives so i'm like okay so so for example can my mom and i stay but my dad and i have to leave the country is that is that how this works? Yeah, I have to tell my dad get, get out of my house. Yeah, get out of my house. This is my house, even though this was not my family's land. This was, um, I'm not sure exactly what tribe lived here, but this, this is not this is not even and I'm not in the right spot technically. If if you want to get so technical about this, so then you got to tell the natives that are living outside of their their territory that they got to go back to their territory and leave where they're at now. So exactly. people are just getting stupid with this. And I know a lot of people don't think like this, but I've seen multiple people repost stuff like this and saying, oh, if you're not native, you don't have a say. Like, so, so what, I'm, I'm, I'm only a small part native, so does my say matter just, just a tad and you're, you don't have a say, right? No, we're all people where you and I are both equally Canadians. You're just as equal as Canadian as someone that's 100% native. I'm just as equal as Canadian as someone that's 100% native. We all have a say. Right to say someone has a say and someone doesn't—that's just identity politics, which, by the way, we'll mention in our third podcast of the night. So hopefully you guys stay tuned for that. That should be a really good one, really exciting one. Uh, so I don't want to mention too much about this because I, I know we will get into this later. But that, that's just the way I I see this whole situation. People, you know, they they call it the white savior complex. These people that need to 
to show that they're they're the hero of the story and and whatnot when truly they're not and no one really cares what they're saying you're just reposting something and you don't even know what you're reposting no no one thinks you're a hero you just look like an idiot i'm sorry you like you're not researching what you're what you're what you're reposting and that goes for all sides of the political spectrum there's so many people that just repost blindly they don't look at what they're posting they just repost oh this is this is activism i gotta post this oh this is helping someone i gotta post this oh, i and, see five people post it oh it's becoming yeah. a trend i'm jumping on it early so i get all the fame exactly exactly and it's it's quite funny when people say oh i'm a white savior because i help all these organizations in order to be a white saver a white savior sorry you first have to have the belief in your head that you are in every single way superior to the race you're helping so really it, it is a form of racism to say you're a white savior because you're saying that i'm so much more important than you that i'm going to now voice your problems and exactly instead that's, of letting you do well it said. And and that's that's, a, that's crazy. That's well said. Yeah, pe people nowadays they they've gone mad. I don't know if it's quarantine. I don't know what it is, but people have just seem to seem to go mad. Going and, crazy over here. Yeah, but you're putting in a sense you're putting people down. You're victimizing them, right? The way I see it now, I I understand, right? Like I'm not really like this person that's like native. But the way I see it, people are now victimizing natives, and they're victimizing, you know to me my family and i don't want to you know my fam. like to me just the way i see it i don't want my family to look like victims right that's that's not the way i want them to be perceived right i want my my family my ancestors even if i didn't know them i want them to be be perceived as you know strong powerful people not these helpless idiots that they're making them out to be um you know i and i do agree with talking about what happened there because there was injustice right obviously they were outnumbered um, I don't know the exact numbers, but they were obviously outnumbered. So, like, they were in that sense. But the way people are making them out to be is, like, they're these helpless people and these helpless victims. And I don't want that, you know, on my family, whether you're you're related to me just 1% or you're 100% related to me. I don't want anyone in my family to be perceived as a victim. So that's that's the way I see the way people are doing this. I see it almost as kind of like a disrespect you think you're you're better than them and you're going to make them out to be a victim even when you know sometimes they they're not and i've seen many people um i've had people on my my tiktoks years ago and people you know defending my arguments for for whatever it was and there and a white girl would come in and say honey you're you're black or you're indian or you're this or that you're you know you're oppressed in society they're like no i'm not I go to Western University, I go here, I go there. I'm living a wonderful life and I'm probably making more money than you are right now. I'm not I'm not this victim, right? I'm in, I'm controlling my own destiny. So, I think a lot so there's a lot of people that are offended and there's people that like people doing this, but to me, you know, it, it kind of rubs me the wrong way even if my even if I might not be, you know, that close to um my ancestors right like in dna one oh, that's that's still my family whether you're one percent or 0.0 percent you're still part of my family you know i don't necessarily like people victimizing my family whatever race they are gender whatever you know i, I don't appreciate that because i don't see my family as victims and i don't want other to see my family as, as victims right that that's the way i see it yeah I, and I, i'm sure I, many others yeah i think that's very well put 
that'll be it for this episode. Thank you guys for joining us for the first episode of the night. We will be coming back to you with another shorter episode. Like I said, we're going to be posting two to three episodes a day. One for breakfast, one for lunch, one for dinner. So you can surround yourself all day with our political opinions and you can help voice yours. And the way to help voice yours is by joining our Discord, joining our Instagram Lives. You can message us on any social media. We will get back to you. We love interacting with you guys. We love our feedback. So make sure if you have feedback for us, make sure you tell us. Uh, thank you for another successful episode of Conservative Conversation, Sean. Yeah, thanks. This, is, this was, uh, I think it was a really good one, and we got a couple good ones more to come tonight. So make sure you guys are staying tuned and looking for the other episodes. I think you guys will really enjoy some of the episodes we have to come. Did you like what you just heard? Make sure to follow to stay up to date with all your Canadian political news from your two favorite Canadian teens.